0: Thanks for tuning into this podcast from KYMN Radio. You
1: can find more of them like it on
0: our website, kymnradio.net, or wherever you get your podcast. Simply search the KYMN Radio Podcast. Locally owned, independently programmed, 95.1, The One.
2: was barely five foot three. He could not have weighed more than 115 pounds. He was painfully shy and when he spoke in public his words were measured and brief. One of his associates said he was built like a jockey and barely spoke above a whisper. But make no mistake, Prince Rogers Nelson was a giant. He was a towering figure in the world of music. He was beloved by his fans. That bass stretched from Monroe, Michigan, to Perth, Australia, from Beijing, China, to Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, and from New York City to Los Angeles, California, and back around again to Minneapolis. Prince was loved around the world. Justin Timberlake said he was the godfather that we all wanted to impress. Elton John said he was the greatest musician he ever saw on stage and quote, we all knelt at his feet. Mike Scott of the Waterboys wrote a song about how much better Prince was at his job than everybody else is. I saw the rain dirty valley, you saw Brigadoon he wrote. I saw the crescent, you saw the whole of the moon. When you compare him to other musicians, you wind up using names like James Brown, Michael Jackson, Jimi Hendrix, but those names aren't enough. He was a great showman, a great writer, a great singer, a great dancer, and a great guitarist. Before he came along, the world had never seen one person who was so good at all of it. He was Michael Jordan, he was Neil Armstrong, he was Ava Perone, he was both Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, he was Superman, and to everyone's utter shock and disbelief, He was also mortal. On the morning of April 21st, 2016, we learned that he had passed away and the outpouring of grief around the world was profound. Here in Minnesota, it was palpable. It was in the air. You could feel it. And while there was a deep sorrow for the world's loss, there was also a sense of gratitude and pride. The memorials that would pop up around the state would not be solemn occasions, but celebrations. How could you possibly be mournful with a song like Kiss playing in the background? You can't hang your head and cry when they're playing Housequake. He was a gift, he was a hero. And while he wasn't immortal, as it turns out, his music is. His music has never lost momentum. Maybe when you hear those opening lines of When Doves Cry, there's a twinge of sadness. But within minutes, you're marveling at the genius of a funk song without a bassline, and you are moving your booty. So tonight, five years after he moved on to the next step, we honor his life here on Earth. Tonight, we celebrate the fire, the passion, the moves, and the music of one of Minnesota's best loved sons. Tonight is all about Prince. My name is Rich Larson. This is the weekly list. Well, good evening, everybody. You're listening to AM 1080, FM 95.1, KYMN Radio, in beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us once again for another edition of The Weekly List. So, this is a very special edition. You know, I know that I've called a lot of these shows a special edition of The Weekly List, but tonight is a very special edition of the weekly list first of all the man sitting i suppose to my left and sort of behind me is is of course my 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 co-host mr daniel g moyer
1: actually my name is andre crabtree the third and i got more holes than a golf course
2: and uh
1: (laughs) jeez you know for tonight yeah i'm it's me i'm here glad to be here
2: and ladies and gentlemen, listeners, regular listeners of The Weekly List, please allow Daniel and myself to introduce to you our very dear friend, Mr. Oh. Mr. Patrick Drury. Say hi, Pat.
1: Hey, Pat. Yeah, you're funny. See? <laughs> you're going to fit right in yeah. tonight, dude, yeah. Pat okay. Great. <laughs> All
2: right.
0: I'd like to show you my house. It's...
3: This is going
1: to be so much fun tonight, and oh. I mean, I, Rich, I don't think that you hyped anything. I honestly think this is going to be just a whole ball of fun.
2: Yeah, this is going to be super interesting. Anyway, the reason we are joined by Patrick Drury this evening is because, well, the three of us went to college together. Dan was sort of in charge of us our, our, our <laughs> freshman a, year. Loosely. And uh we we uh the three of us developed a pretty serious bond mostly over our shared love of Prince. Yeah. I mean it, it, it grew yeah. out it grew out of that. But like that was a that was a touchstone kind of a thing for us. And uh let's not pretend it was
1: all about Prince. Well. Yeah, let's let's no. I mean <laughs> we'll cut right down to the chase. It's actually the reason that you came to Minnesota from uh <laughs>
2: I, I, I actually believe that I, I would believe that. that, that, that the, the reason yes. you came to Northfield, Minnesota from Waukegan, Illinois, <laughs> was, was because you wanted to be closer to Prince Rogers Nelson. And
4: you were close to me it because was that, cause I was yeah, so it short. Was that, that was reason number one, and reason number two was my parents were forcing me to go to college.
2: <laughs> Which is exactly why I went to St. Olaf, too, but it's a much longer conversation.
4: Yes, we digress. Yeah, we're exactly. Talking talking about talking about
2: about we are here tonight to discuss... The legacy of Prince Rogers Nelson. So, I, I want to start the show off tonight. Before we talk about the first song we heard, <clears throat> where I want I want to do the "Where were you when you heard the news?" and I want to, oh, Patrick. I want uh, to start with you, Pat. Where were you? Oh my!
4: I was in my basement in Queens, New York. Mm-hmm. I was I, I work as a steady cam operator, uh, and I was prepping for a job with the New York Mets and Mr. Rich Larson (laughs) called me and all that he said was, I'm sorry. And I knew immediately what he was talking about. Yeah. We hadn't spoken in maybe months Yeah, and I knew, and I said, Oh no,
1: what's the story? What happened? And I knew exactly what he was talking yeah.
2: about. Yeah, I, I, I didn't realize I, I don't. I'd forgotten that I told you,
1: Rich. You're everybody's angel of death when it did, comes. Did to Did I stuff. tell
2: you too, Danny? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I was. A, I so, was a, so, so where I'll were you? My, where was I? Yeah.
1: Okay. I was at work, and I was involved in a franchise conference. And I had thankfully I had wrapped up my bit on this, and so I'm standing in the back of the room. And it was a session, you know, I, the stuff that I do with Holiday and stuff like that. Anyhow, you called me and you said, Danny, there's something bad going on at Paisley Park. And I went, well, what do you mean? Because the week before, Prince had gotten, he had to, he was flying back um, from a show. From it, Atlanta. Yeah, from, from Atlanta. Live show in Atlanta. And he, they had to stop and he went in for some emergency stuff. And he goes, there's, there's a problem at, at Paisley Park. And he goes, I'm watching CCO at the time. And I went, okay, so what's going on? And he goes, there's now reports that they found a body at Paisley Park. And all of a sudden, I remember going cold, literally going cold. And then there's, you told me all this live as you were discovering it because all of a sudden you went totally quiet. And I went, oh, my God, Danny. Oh, my God, it's Prince. Prince is dead. And I went, what? I, I mean, I, I literally almost felt like I was going to faint. Because that just seemed like an impossible concept. An yeah. absolutely impossible concept. Yeah. And I, I said, you, Rich, please tell me that you're... And I, I used an, an epithet. Yeah. said, please tell me you're this kidding me. Because that can't be. And you said, no, it's real. Prince is dead. And I, I just... Oh man,
2: horrible! Yeah, I was I was running um, Southern man Scene magazine at the time, and um, just it was just you know it was one of those things. It, it, there was a, a report on Facebook that a body had been found at Paisley Park, and and uh, and I went, oh okay, but then that report like kept refreshing, and and it occurred to me, well they're covering this they're covering this differently they're covering this like it's a story not just like someone and it just it just everything just hit me like oh man yeah. they're covering this because prince is dead and they can't say it yet because they don't have the official because yeah. they don't have the official word but right but like you know all there are suddenly i mean you could see just from watching the live stuff on, on on tv there were more cameras showing up there were people gathering outside of the fence and, you know, I mean, it was it, it, after about 10 minutes, it was just, you know, you wait for the announcement and then the announcement came. And, yeah, it well, was it was amazing.
1: right, you it know, and awful. from my point of view, it didn't dawn on me that he could be there by himself. I, I just I always assumed for some reason, I just always assumed that there was a staff of, you know, a dozen people at anything, right. you know, so it really it could have been anybody. You know, I, I had no idea. Right. You right. know, and it it makes me so sad to know that he was by himself and that he was found in the elevator. I don't, I don't know what was going through his head during those last moments, but
2: oh. Well, no, no, yeah, of course not. So, we'll never know. Yeah, we'll no, never know. we'll never know. So, okay. I mean,
1: it changed. It changed the song "Let's Go Crazy," you know, because it's such a reference to elevator and the the elevator, the, the elevator and yeah. ladder, ladders have always proven like a real spiritual part of who he was elevators and ladders and the right. fact that he was in an elevator. I it just, yeah. I mean, I, I saw lots of correlation there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of the show. And, and, right. but just, just, I mean, Prince was, I mean, he was to, to say he was an icon is, um, a good word to start with yeah I, and, and and i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like it was only an icon of minnesota or this was a minnesota centric thing yeah. but there was something i'm you know i'm just going to say there was something about growing up in minnesota with prince and then suddenly having him yanked away it was, anyway so but moving along
1: well and here, here's the thing i really want this show my feeling is i need i need I need this show to be a celebration. I don't want to dwell on his his death. Um, The one thing that I will say is that night, and it was a Tuesday night, right? If I'm remembering correctly? Yes. Okay. Um, I I think it was. I think a lot of people were gathering at First Avenue, of course, which makes sense. And I remember seeing live video of everybody going there. And I... I literally thought very seriously about going down and being at First Avenue all night mm-hmm. that night. Mm-hmm. But I was in such a level of shock. I I was just so overwhelmed with that sense of grief. And musician deaths always affect me. But the ones that hit me the most are when Prince died and when Stuart Adams in a big country killed himself. Those Those are the moments that i i couldn't be at first avenue i could not have celebrated that night and i'm almost tearing up just thinking about that day to begin with that was that was really hard yeah um so um yeah. i wish looking back in retrospect i wish that i could have had the strength to go to first avenue that night i, I couldn't it was hard
2: Anyway, all um, right. So, but but like okay. So if this is a celebration, yeah. Let's, of that's Prince, it. Right? I'm, I'm not. I'm the, not. I'm. I'm
1: happy now. Then I've got. <laughs> then I've got a quick.
2: <laughs> I, I've got a quick little story to tell about her first story. Um, one of my my favorite memories. Um, a sort of about Prince. Uh, from when I was a kid, that does not have anything to do with me having gone to one of his concerts. Right? If, if I'm not in the same room with him. When I was a, 1986, summer between my junior and senior year of high school, I worked at a movie theater that summer, the old Southdale Cinema, which has since been torn down, and rest in peace. And that, like, the whole summer long, we played um, Under the Cherry Moon, was at, was at the theater, like, all summer long. Which And the funny part about this, I, I've still never seen Under the Cherry Moon. I know exactly how bad bad the movie is, so I've never actually seen it.
4: Yeah. Rich, right. I was going to say I'm sorry because it's really not a good film.
2: Yeah, but. yeah, I'm not. I don't feel like yeah. I'm missing anything. But Resto. but the end credits of Under the Cherry Moon is basically the video yes. for Mountains, right? Yes. And I, yes. every time I was an usher, and every time that movie would let out, I made sure that I was the guy who had to go in and make sure every, you know get get the doors open and make sure everyone was. Was clearing out and all oh, that stuff. Good move. So I could watch the video for Mountains. I love that song, and I probably saw—I probably saw that—I probably seen the video for Mountains a hundred and twenty times. That's awesome. I, I had no idea. <laughs> and I've still never seen the movie.
1: I had well, and and we, you're better off. <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're going to talk about other movies that oh yeah well, yeah
4: yeah anyway. well. Can we, can, since, since you did intro the show with mountains, can we talk about mountains just a little bit? Yeah, tell, I mean, me, tell I, me about mountains. I love, love mountains. And, you know, I, I forgot this song, you started this Prince tribute with a song not even written by Prince.
2: He didn't write that it song? It was written
4: by Wendy and Lisa. Yep.
2: Oh, no kidding.
4: Yeah, yeah, and he wrote the lyrics to it. Oh. They brought the song to him, and yep. he wrote the lyrics, and the lyrics are phenomenal. Yes, they are. Yeah. I mean... They're beautiful, and it really kind of sets out, like, his whole ethos about love and about, you know, overcoming, and it's a very, like... It is. ...amazingly powerful song. It is. It's but beautiful. I always wondered why, and we were talking about this a little bit the other night, um, why that song sounded so good when the revolution got back together. Yeah. At First Avenue, right? It's because that's their song.
2: It is. That's it. That's, that's and it's a complicated song.
4: It's it is. not it's, an easy yeah. song no. at
1: all. Yeah. The the thing that I really like about it is that groove is so slinky that da I mean, it, it just has this oh, movement yeah. underneath between the bass and the you know. It undulates. Oh, it, yeah. Oh, that's a great word. That's that's actually the correct way to describe that. It undulates and it. There's just, it's slinky, and it's just so much joy, and that band is so on on that recording. I have a yeah. question,
2: because the, 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 one of the things I really like about that song is the horns, right? Now, I know Eric, right. Leeds, is, is on, Eric Leeds is on saxophone. Eric Leeds was his, uh, was his sax player, basically. Mm-hmm. Who's the guy in the trumpet?
4: That's Maybe true. Matt Liston. Um, okay. Yeah, Atlanta that would make Blitz. sense. I'm not sure who's credited with that. I could look it up. Yeah, yeah but that, I that really would make know. sense.
2: Yeah. Anyway, but I mean, just I don't
4: know if he was with the revolution at that time. I mean, it could have been a session guy. I don't.
1: By that
2: point, the revolution had grown to like twenty-two people or something, hadn't it? I mean, it was huge.
1: (laughs) It it was certainly much, much bigger than it was in the version that you see on purple in the movie Purple Mm Rain. And he he used to tinker with the revolution all the time because you remember when Des Dickerson was uh, he was there before Wendy um, before Wendy Wendy was yeah you know. Yeah. yeah, briefly, yeah. briefly, briefly. Well, Des Des, right. Des played on the Dirty Mind tour and all that kind of stuff too. Right. No, absolutely. But what the band really called the Revolution during that? No, tour? I, no, I no. 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 That's a good. In point. fact,
2: I don't think Des technically was ever actually in the Revolution, because it, the the the, uh. the Revolution like got the name with Purple Rain. No,
1: actually, that's no? incorrect because if you look at the cover of 1999. It has the word, um, the revolution, is in it, but, and Pat, I, I don't, you you have to take the album cover and you hold it up to the mirror and you can read it saying the revolution.
4: Oh, interesting. But, you know, like a lot of things in the Prince universe, um, he <laughs> loved to foreshadow things.
2: That's true. He That's loved
4: true. to throw little bits out. Before they were even things. And you're like, what is the revolution? And then here comes this band. What's the dawn? I don't know. And then but, here's, you know, right. it's always this sort of like, I mean, and look at the new album that just, it, you know, is being released. He's always ahead of us. Yeah. Even 10 years, 10
2: years behind us. You know, us five years after his
4: death in yeah. an album that was recorded 10 years ago. Yeah. It's right on time. And you know, w- so. you've heard. But I, news- get a whole, I get ahead of myself.
1: I yeah. definitely. Yeah. You know, and that song, it's like, wow, he could have written that today. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, so absolutely. Yeah.
2: So, moving on, uh, because if we don't move on, this show is going to go 19 hours. Um, <laughs> who, There's a reason which why. Which would be amazing. Who, well, who, who yeah. wants to talk about something in the water does not compute. I do not want to talk about something in the
1: okay. water. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something. Well, I
4: I picked. Danny, Danny, wait. Danny. wait First Danny. of all, let's talk about, we, we all picked six songs, right? You picked six. I picked six. Rich threw in a bunch, right? Yep. This was one of your picks. So yeah. I just want to like clarify that.
1: Go for it. Okay, here's the thing. Um, my, I've got a relative named Monty, Monty Moyer. Um, he's not a direct cousin. He's actually the son of my dad's cousin, but my dad and his dad were really close, and so I was really close, you know, I, you know, his dad and everything is always and his, he's got a brother named Brad. Anyhow, when I was a kid um, my dad came home from work, and he was like, hey, Monty's on an album, and it just came out, and we ran over to Peaches, which is a big record store <laughs> at the time, and uh, bought uh, The Times' first album. And I think at that time, controversy was going to come out in like a little bit, and so Monty and The Time were going to an uh, opening for this guy named Prince at the Scope in Norfolk. And so that was really around the first time that I had heard of Prince. And there was an article in the Virginian um, pilot and ledger star. And it was, it had a thing on, on the time, but it also was really a very negative thing about Prince. And so how sexual he was and dirty and, you know, blasphemous and all this kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, well, we should go see Monty and the, Prince and all this kind of stuff. And then it really kinda of came down to, well, he might be a little too dirty or whatever. And so I didn't go. But of course, that's when Prince flew on my radar, and as soon as somebody says, This person's bad to listen to, you shouldn't listen to him. Well, what's the first thing that I'm gonna go out and run and do? You know, so I get a copy of Dirty Mind and Controversy, and then when nineteen ninety nine came out and it was a double album, I flipped. I flipped out. And for some reason, Something in the Water Does Not Compute always struck me because it sounds so weird. I mean, it's it's a weird sounding track. Um, it's very electronic. The thing that I loved most was his vocals. His vocals were so unique. And then at one point, at the it's the last half where he's like screaming and just doing all of these gymnastics vocally. And it was weird when they remastered this album a couple of years ago. It completely changed the mix. It brought in piano, and they just about destroyed the vocal. So this version is from the original 1999, I think it was like the 1983 mix. Yeah, eighty three. And it, it's, there's something about this that I, I can't describe. It's just to my ears. This is what Prince was to me, at least the early, the first part. And I'm thinking about the period of Dirty Mind to... Controversy to 1999. This is definitive in my my ears.
2: Patrick, you got any words on uh, something in the water does not compute? Any thoughts?
1: I've always liked this. I've always liked this track too. Um, I,
4: it is strange, and I I love it for its oddness. I yep. love it. I, I, again, I think it's a foreshadowing of what Prince was going to kind of play around with the things he was going to dabble into. Again, he he was taking his audience into new t- territory. Um, And, look, 1999, one of the best double albums Ugh. I can think of. Yeah, yeah. You know, for sure. And absolutely. what's so great about it is there's something for everyone. And there's stuff in there that you didn't, you got that you didn't even know that you needed. Yeah. And I think that this is one of those tracks. And I remember listening to it on my turntable, you know, it had that great vinyl, and it had the eye, and you put the needle <sighs> right through the eye in yep. the middle. I mean, it was just so... So cool yeah. Um, yeah, I just love uh, there's something about this about this track that it's
1: just well and
4: it's fun it has is, a lot of energy to it
1: The thing about it, and I know one of the things that attracts me is is the weirdness, and Rich, you have always said that I like all of the unlistenable and then uh, a word um, that nobody else can stand because that's all the stuff that you really love the most, and that's that's true you know no, it's,
2: it's, it's not that it's just that you like everything. <laughs> <laughs> you don't not like anything
1: i don't like i'm not really enamored of polka now heavy metal polka i could get behind but... oh I, th-
2: I thought you said poco. and them, no i love dems but... was gonna be fighting <laughs> no, I, I love poco. i mean anyway polka moving on so from 1983 in the 1999 album this is prince before the revolution with something in the water does not compute a 95.1 kymn the one
3: Girl had. Must be something in the while you drink. Why I want a woman, want to
0: treat a man so bad. <laughs> I've got to get to you, babe, babe. Mm-hmm. So people think I'm kinda of smart, chuck, I must have balanced up and before you start. But you gotta talk to me, baby. Tell me who you really are. It's something you wanna do. It's been the same with every girl I've had.
2: From the 1979 self-titled album, Prince. That yes. was.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, I, man, I'm so pumped on that. I was sitting here air drumming during that.
2: That was Bambi. That was a song called. I Bambi. love that song. That was what? That was one of yours, Patrick. Tell, that was my
1: first pick. And tell us.
2: Tell us like about Bambi.
4: The, the one of the just hardest rocking early Prince songs. I mean, it's it's just amazing. And the great thing is, is that he played it consistently throughout his career. Yeah, he isn't died. that wild?
2: Yeah,
4: re-recorded it on on The Undertaker, which was an an unreleased album, but like it, it always stayed with him, and he always came back to it. And it's just a great ripping song.
1: He's like nineteen at the time. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we we don't ever talk about the fact that. He's 18, he's 19. He records these albums where he is every instrumentalist. Think
2: about that for a second. He's playing right. everything. Everything. Uh, he's playing drums, he's playing bass, he's playing guitar, he's playing keyboards, he's doing, doing everything. He's producing it. Yeah.
1: The whole
4: thing. Right. right. And the biggest hit off that album was...
1: I Want to Be Your Lover.
4: I Want to Be Your Lover, which was a big disco hit. Yep. So you've got this rocking, you know, <laughs> almost like classic rock what we would call classic rock now, um, you know, 70s guitar-driven...
2: I believe, I believe, the, I believe the term and, you used was ball ripper. Yeah. It was
1: a ball ripper! It, was. it, was ball ripper. it, is. it is! Absolutely! Yeah. All right. You don't screw with a song like that. You know, and it was, it's weird. I think a lot of people get thrown off on the idea that, okay, how is it that Prince is such a rock guy? And this, this song proves it. And mm-hmm. I remember... I forget who told me this. I, I remember having a conversation with somebody, and it could have been Monty... It could could have been St. Paul Peterson. I can't quite recall. And we were talking about the whole thing of that, well, Prince, as an African-American man, how is it that he was so influenced by rock? And I remember them telling me, you have to remember that at the time that Prince and all of us were growing up, there was no, quote-unquote, black radio in the Twin Cities. There was not it was it was right. going to be regular rock stations that were geared towards a white audience. So Prince listened, to, they all listened to the same thing, whether, you know, when they're going to Central High School and stuff, they grew up listening to the same thing. And that's why you hear all these influences from bands like Chicago. And, you know, you hear all of these white typical artists that filled in to that. And then at the same time, his dad you know, had a, a tremendous influence. And so he mixed cultures together. And... There were so many different melding pots of blurring the lines of, well, what is white music? What is black music? What is all of this stuff? And that made him extraordinary. He was, you know, Pat, you said that he was so ahead of his time. He was. Now we're starting to hopefully, hopefully become a blended, true society of diverse and wonderful and unique people and
2: viewpoints. He started with that. Okay, so before Danny starts singing "Kumbaya," oh shit, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> that's probably right. good. So we're gonna take you, gonna take you, uh, you, the audience now, back to uh, uh, the Saint Olaf uh, campus in nineteen eighty, 1980, late nineteen eighty-seven, the, uh, the 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 uh, uh, second floor of uh, of the Kittlesby dorm, where uh, Patrick, who was my next door neighbor. And the two of us lived across the hall from Dan. <laughs> Who brought home Love Sexy first? Which one of those oh, I, I think? I did. I, no, what? no, we
1: did it on the same day. And it was it was 90, it was nineteen eighty eight because I remember we were all getting ready for the black album to come out. Remember? Yeah. And we yes. had that yeah, we on were. and we had that on our list of things to buy. We had the date, and I remember and I think it was with you. You and I took Leo's van. We walked over to Fine Groove.
2: When you say "you," who are you pointing at? Danny? I'm
1: I'm pointing to Pat. Okay.
2: By th- the way, we should we should point out <laughs> Pat is on the phone because Pat actually lives in in Cold Spring, New York. That's the reason he's not in the studio. That's the only reason he's not Dude, in the studio.
1: That's that's a Billy Joel reference, Cold Spring Harbor.
2: Yeah, well, and that, that's a whole okay. different right. that's a whole
1: different show. But you you're <laughs> actually in Cold Spring. Okay. Yeah. So so anyhow, I want to say that Pat, you and I went and we went down to Fine Groove, which was at the time that was the record store that we went and bought all of our stuff. And we get there and... Um, right.
2: It was 1988.
1: Yeah. And there yeah. is no black album. We find out that it's been pulled. What? <laughs> and, I mean, they took like a million copies or half a million copies and they destroyed it. It's the most bootlegged yeah. album ever. Um, and so, anyhow, it was a couple weeks later we found out that he had almost recorded all of Love Sexy in like a like a 72-hour period or something over like a weekend. And then it got rushed to the stores. And I remember I think we both bought it at the exact same moment. And I remember having the C D and flipping out. I played I played Love Sexy the entire summer of nineteen eighty eight. So I think it came out in the spring.
2: It came out in May of nineteen eighty eight. Right. There it is. Yeah.
1: And let let's not forget you had to listen to it in its entirety.
2: In its entirety. It
1: was one, it track, was one track. Which was really cool. It,
2: it, which was really annoying. It, well, it it was both. It it was
1: it was great because it forced you to start with I know and go all the way to the end. Yes, but at the same time, right. um, one of the first things that I did remember, I used to always walk around with that Walkman because I didn't I mm-hmm. didn't have a CD. You disc still in. do? Well, yeah, but now I do it on my phone. But but anyhow, I the first thing that I did is I put it all onto a cassette tape, and I put. Love Sexy on both sides of that 90 minute cassette. <laughs> so as soon as one finished, I, you know, it just went right over to the end and I could just flip the tape over and instantly start it over. Okay. Well, and, and I you were cheating. I, I was cheating, but, but at the same time, <laughs> Anastasia was the end of what technically would be side one, if I'm remembering correctly. And that was a song that I loved the most. It's still my favorite song off of Love Sexy, bar none. Right. Um, and, and, and
4: going back to, Dan, to talk talking about the Black Album and Love Sexy, you, you have to kind of talk about both of them in the same yeah, you do. breath almost. Because, you know, this, it's almost like Love Sexy came out because Prince felt like he had gone too dark, you know? Right. He, he danced with the devil, and he's like, no, I've got to pull myself back. got to make this redemption album. And when he did the Love Sexy tour, I think Anastasia was the end of the first act yeah. that was prepping for all the stuff that would... Come later on in the show and if you think and you listen to the lyrics and everything you're like oh yeah this is i get it this is a great transition song you know he's asking for forgiveness in the song right
1: yeah oh yeah and the 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 thing about the black album the black album and love sexy share one song in common between the two of them um when two are in in love. love i mean that's the only song that's on both recordings both albums yep um The black album. I'm kind of surprised neither one of us picked it. The you know pick something from that. It's also, it's there's a lot of dirtiness, (laughs) and there's but I love the song Bob George. And remember he would start that second half of the show, the Love Sexy Show, with Bob George. You know, oh man, that I still that whole album, the whole black album. I love, but Anastasia. The thing that I really like about this is it starts. And ends the exact same way, which is very simple right. chords, but the build-up in the middle is incredible. And then the guitar solo, his voice, it's such a weird mix because he's taken this powerful guitar and really in my mind, to my ears, has kind of buried it in the mix, but then taken bits and pieces of his vocals and pushed it up so much. And the, there's one point where it goes, ah-hoo! There's something like, you know, during the guitar part, that sounds, especially if you're listening on headphones, which I would have been at the time, it sounded like he was just burrowing right into my skull with his voice on that. So. There's an amazing
4: mix on that whole Love Sexy album. I was
1: listening to it the other day, and, uh, yeah, it,
4: it's, it, it's very bright. It has a very clean, mm-hmm. bright feel to it. But the arrangements, I don't know if he's ever made a more dense Arranged album, it's yeah. incredibly complex. It's oh. arranging and it's studio work. I mean, it's that is a true studio
1: masterpiece. in yeah. so many ways. It, it's it's weird. And he got the thing that got most of the attention is that he's nude on the cover. You know, and they're like, oh, right. you know, you know what? So what? get over the cover writing a the flower to, yeah exactly R- listen to the music <laughs> that's here this is something that's like genius level and i i couldn't stop listening to that summer
2: people call me rude i wish, wish we, we all were nude all right so from 1988 the love sexy uh album not the black album this is not super funky califragil sexy this is anastasia a 95.1 kymn the purple one just a- from 1981 that was prince with controversy for i think for a, a lot of people sort of my age controversy might have been the first prince song like you you heard and sort of recognized as prince um just because i i like i want to be your lover was 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 sort of i don't know it was too too it was too soon for me but i remember hearing that song and not knowing that was prince but then
1: anyway. By the time of Controversy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Controversy, I was
2: 12 years old, 13 years old.
1: That's a heavy song to hear when you're 12, dude. I was at least 15, I think. People call me
2: rude. You know,
1: I I actually made a huge (laughs) mistake, because I I hadn't listened to the Controversy album for a while, and Rich and I were texting, it's like, oh, well, can't play this song, can't play that song, because of this, and I went, well, we can't play Annie Christian, because he actually breaks down and recites the Lord's Prayer, and I was totally wrong on that. I went back and listened to it, and controversy has got the lord's prayer in it and anti-christian is offensive on a whole other different thing (laughs) you know and and that the reason that we can't play anti-christian is a whole bunch of other reasons but uh
2: patrick this is one of your songs
1: yeah it was and the reason i picked this one
4: is because i felt like this was the song where prince started kind of becoming prince yeah like yeah yeah, i I agree agree. with that like I mean, he obviously was doing a lot of amazing stuff, but I think that his image and the sort of path that we would later see in 1999, that we would see in Purple Rain, and for the rest of his career, he was crafting this persona. And, you know, the look was beginning, and Mm -hmm. you're getting a sound that's starting to sound, Mm -hmm. it's moving away from more disco-y sort of, uh, you know, vibes, and you're getting this unique sort of flavor now and that's why i picked controversy yeah. because i've always just felt like this was a real embarkation this was a the jumping off point yeah. for the man like we started like oh, okay you know even the whole am i black or white am i straight or gay right yeah. whole what am i you know he, and it's he's, like, he's well, bouncing we don't in, know we love you
1: <laughs> yeah i mean he's bouncing into so many different things i mean so we right now uh, it's just such a confluence of things all at once. He doesn't identify himself as one thing or another. It's, it's just kind of all around. And his music also, he, he could be singing about himself. He could be singing about his music because there's no way that right. you can properly define it. In, in my Apple Music or iTunes list, you know, you have to put in a genre. Prince is the only one that for the genre, I just put Prince. <laughs> I, I literally uh, the genre i everything that i've imported or anything that i bought online from itunes i literally changed the genre to prince so it's an own thing and he is his stuff is the only thing that has that genre to it he's indefinable other than and this prince. is a good example of that yes, this is, is a very sure. good example
2: because you're right this is r&b this is funk this is rock this is uh <laughs> yeah, pop. This is the pop well, it is <laughs>
4: It is. You know, and, it, and it, also, it also sounds very much like Minneapolis to me. Yeah, it does. Like,
1: Good point. It, it,
4: it's got, I don't know what it is, but there's something about that. It's like the beginnings of that strictly Minneapolis sound. And mm. I've just always had that feeling for this yeah. song. So, love it.
2: Love yeah, the right. controversy. That's, yeah. You know what else I love? Boys?
1: Let's see. Uh, Rich, what? Are, we, are you going to talk about beer? Beer?
2: I'm going to talk about Beer.
1: Let's talk about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Something near and dear to my heart, Imminent Brewing. As always, we want to thank uh, Imminent Brewing for sponsoring the weekly list. We want to thank Lauren Derek Myers for continuing to make this show possible. So, okay, Daddy, you ready for this?
1: I'm ready for this. Go ahead, lay it on me.
2: Spring is in full swing. It has sprung everywhere, man.
1: Wow, and he's pointing to me. This
2: is the good stuff. It's a haiku. Oh, I made wait, a- wait, wait, wait.
1: No, <laughs> s- say that again. See,
2: say that again. Once again, you're listening with your mouth. <laughs> okay. I do. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. You.
2: you know. Spring is in full swing. It has sprung everywhere, man. This is the good stuff.
1: I, I was counting syllables, and now. Con- wow. Ladies and gentlemen, wow. Rich is now Take bowing. Bow. I, I bow. counted the syllables. Well done. We've now had a. Uh, Imminent uh, commercial with a haiku.
2: Somehow I hurt my shoulder while I was bowing. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Well,
1: I was listening with my mouth and you were <laughs> taking <laughs> physical bowels. For you. you know, this is radio. Yeah, we're not exactly. a visual medium.
2: All right, so the patio at Imminent is now open because spring has sprung. Um, if you can't find a seat on the patio, there are a few seats available in the tap room as well. Uh, there are still rules to follow. You have to check in at the bar. Someone will seat you. You have to wear a mask when you're not sitting at your table. We've been through this before. If you know when you, you have to get up, put your mask on your face first and then get up and then move around. Um, just please just wear a mask. We're we're, we're, we're even closer than we were the last time I talked to you. Just hang in there, just keep doing this dumb stuff because of the stupid pandemic, and we'll be done soon. I promise you, Patrick, we'll be done soon. No, I was looking <laughs> at something else. Uh huh. And because the seeing is, is limited, uh, they're asking that you enjoy yourself, but you don't say more than an hour or so cooperation. you got to share. There's a little bit for all if everyone shares. Uh, there is some news that's going to make everybody happy. As of last week, Imminent has expanded its hours. Oh, nice. On Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, Imminent Brewing is now open until 8 p.m. Just taking one more step in the direction of normalcy, folks. That's We're, we're going to get there. So, if you can't get a place to sit down, you can still get beer to go. You can still buy yourself a growler, which is four full pints of beer, or you can buy a howler, which is about the size of a mason jar, uh, they have great beer on tap right now. There's the morning. Well, yeah, no.
1: don't don't. Please don't say it. Please okay. don't say that it's gone.
2: It's gone. Oh, Pat, Pat, had there's yeah.
1: they, they have this beer called the uh, the morning coffee. Zoom,
2: the morning we, Zoom chocolate coffee. Stat. It's cho- gone. Oh, it is. Oh. Rich has been oh. feeding
1: this to me every time I come down, you know, now I've. It is. It was so good. One day it'll come back. But it I, sounds
2: so good. It was super good. So those, the beer. stuff that but, I've got. But, my... but there are all kinds of other really okay, good go new beers. Um, as a matter of fact, the wolf. We talked last week about how the Wolf Creek IPA is, uh, is back. Now wait until you meet Wolf Creek's weird little brother, Mango Wolf Creek.
1: Okay. What? Yeah.
2: I'm right. Exactly. Mango Wolf Creek. And uh, there's I also like the something they, they something called Rumination Brown Ale. Both just got tapped today, and I'm sure both are just freaking amazing.
4: Food Who this comes week comes up with these amazing beers and these crazy names. I love it.
2: My boy is in the t- in the in the brew house, baby. It's amazing because because it's, geniuses, it's imminent brewing. Okay, so food this week on Friday it's Potter's Pasties. On Saturday it's this thing called Sizzling Wagon, which makes great burgers and sandwiches. And on Sunday this time we promised they canceled last week but they were going to be here on sunday russell's traveling kitchen with the amazing fried brussels sprouts so things are back and they're open and they're loosening up and if we all behave and we all follow the rules it's only going to get better from here imminent brewing is now open thursdays and fridays from four to eight saturdays from two to eight and sundays from two to seven as always all the information you need can be found on the Eminent Brewing website at imminentbrewing dot com.
1: And also on their Facebook page. I just want to point that out. Yeah, we'll get
2: there too. So um are they on Twitter? Uh they are not on Twitter, actually, because Twitter oh. is for the 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 controversy and imminent is not <laughs> controversy. Imminent is not controversial. You know what Prince yeah. you know I, I I always wanted Prince to make a blues album basically because i want everybody to make a blues album. i'm the guy that actually wants christina aguilera to make a blues album yeah right mm. this is the this next song is about the bluesiest thing i've ever well, heard Chris well no do.
1: no no that's not true because when we were at the love sexy show remember he had a blues song that he played that i think is still unreleased called if i had a harem do you remember that pat Head, do yeah. you remember that
2: this yeah. song is about yeah. the bluesiest song that I've ever heard Prince do. This song is called "Old Friends for Sale." Patrick, this was yours. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about it. Yes,
4: love this song. Um, the song has two incarnations. Uh, Dan and I were talking about this earlier. Um, the first one was on an unreleased version of the Parade album, right, Dan?
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't have a copy and, of that anymore. That version. So, ugh.
4: right. I know. We, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe no one has it. Maybe nobody has it. Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but the lyrics were vastly different, and in my opinion, way better on um, yeah. that original version. Oh, really? Um, but this version that we're going to play is from The Vault, which was something that Warner Brothers decided that they were going to put together um, and uh, put out. I don't know if he really wanted it out. Who knows? I, out there.
1: I don't think so. I don't think so either, but... The
4: arrangement is beautiful. Claire Fisher, yep. who had done all of his arranging of strings, gorgeous horns, super bluesy, like Rich was saying. But the lyrics for me always don't quite have the same punch as the originals. And the reason that I picked this song was this shows another side of Prince, um, this side where, you know, you, you Sometimes you didn't quite know where you stood with the man. You know, sometimes it was a little tough to be in his universe. Sometimes things didn't quite go the way that others had planned, because he had a plan, and sometimes he let you know, and sometimes it was like,
1: time to go. And this song, I think, kind of
4: talks to that point.
1: Yeah, it does. You know, the thing about this song, there there were a couple thoughts when I was re-listening to it. First of all... um. You know, I'm a big fan of Frank Sinatra. Could you imagine Frank Sinatra singing this? This this song sounds like it could be a Frank Sinatra song. Yeah, it's kind of a croony song. Yeah, it, I mean, more just in kind of how the arrangement. The other thing is it reminded me of the song Joy and Repetition off of the Graffiti uh, Graffiti Bridge album. The, the right. thing that I liked about the song Joy and the Repetition is it had that, there was like one little vocal phrase that was, in the alley by the curb. You know, that, that line, just kind of skip it. That made that song for me. But Joy and Repetition kind of came to mind with um, Old Friends for Sale. I don't know why, but they sound sonically similar. Yeah, definitely.
4: I've always thought that, like, a lot of people could sing this song. I think of, like, a Joe Cocker, mm-hmm. Oh,
2: he wrote oh, wow, yeah. for.
1: It does have a standard <laughs> kind of feel.
2: It definitely has a standard
1: feel, um, absolutely. Now, the thing yeah. about it is the lyrics... Um, man, you did not want to cross Prince because, I mean, he was worse than Taylor Swift. He'd, you know, Taylor Swift would write a song about her ex. You don't want to have Prince write a song about you that's um, where he eviscerates you, and that's kind of what he does in this song. That was what fueled the song.
4: Well, and what's interesting, too, uh, when you read accounts of people talking about him and how he communicated it was through his music. I mean, I know that sounds kind of trite to say, but I really think a lot of times things were troubling him. You know, he'd sit down and just work it out. And I think this was one of those moments where he was working stuff out. He, there's obviously people he was not happy with that, you know, were on the outs and he may have even sat him down and played the song for him and, you know, handed them their walking papers. Uh, it, but it's well, a great song. I absolutely adore this song. Um, it's always been one of my favorites, and I just don't think it gets no. enough uh, attention. And, but um, I was but among, really happy to be able to add it to the
2: list.
1: But among the diehard, you know, like hardcore Prince fans, like you two, yeah, we know this song. You know, we learned it from um, bootleg recordings. <laughs> Let's, you know, we it, it, this was on the tape trading kind of thing. It was this song. And, I mean, it's good that there was a clean uh, Vault release of it. I'm glad for that.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you if you had to ask me which one I liked better, I would say the original. Oh, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, for those
4: who are listening out there, if you can find a, a copy of that, check it out. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, my guess is, is that you could probably find it on YouTube if you really look right.
1: for it. Yeah.
2: All right. So, from the year 1999, this is uh, from the Vault, old friends for sale. This is... Old Friends For Sale by Prince on 95.1 AYMN. The sunset in my heart
0: this evening Cause an old friend of mine got lost in the child Did you know when you're stuck in the snow? Nobody gets out alive. Tears fall gently in my garden. As I wait in vain for my sweet baby to call. I guess what my own brother told me was true. He had been with my sweet baby And she never really loved me at all Night felt so dark this evening The moon wasn't shining nowhere Sometimes that old light in the alley Would light up this old heart of mine But now I'm wondering If there's someone up there who really cares night fell darkest in Persia. Used to flow blue, it's now flowing black. Many a doctor can try, but only heaven knows why. When it comes to love, why do some men, why
3: do some men turn their back? Can't somebody please tell?
0: Stranger took my picture and he uh, he asked if I'd buy it (laughs) I said I guess I don't know how Show you a friend of the dead.
2: From 1987, from the greatest album Prince ever made, from Sign of the Times, that was Strange Relationship. A, uh, a song, I believe, Danny, was selected by you. Yep,
1: I picked that one.
2: What do you got to say about Strange okay. Relationship?
1: Here's the thing. The Sign of the Times album, when it came out, I was overwhelmed by it because Prince had more ideas in one song than bands would have in their entire career. And Sign of the Times was so full of ideas. I mean, to this day, I've had that record for, what is it, like, I can't do the math, like 30, 34 years I've been aware of that album, and I still am bogged down by it, because there's so many things that hang me up. Anyhow, when I first heard Sign of the Times... um, Strange Relationship really didn't hit me. And it took it's taken me a very long time to get through the Sign of Times album. The deluxe box set, I haven't even opened yet because I'm scared to death. <laughs> I mean, I've got the whole eight or nine CD version and it's sitting on my desk and I can't open it yet because I'm realizing that this is going to occupy my life till I die. Uh, but so anyhow, Strange Relationship didn't really hit me until we saw the Love Sexy show. Um, and that was... 88, fall of 88, I think.
2: Fall of 88.
1: Um, and it was at the old Met Center. Yep. And I remember yep. there was a point where Prince sat down at the piano and he did this piano medley. And I remember, I think there was bits of Condition of the Heart that he threw in, mm-hmm. but I remember he did a piano, solo piano version of uh, Strange Relationship. And I was so floored. That was the high, one of the high points of that entire show for me. And I remember going okay, all of a sudden, stripped down to just him and a voice and a piano, the song all of a sudden made sense to me. And because of that, Strange Relationship is always the high point of um, Sign of the Times for me. And that's just just me. And it, it, I remember that moment seeing him play and that song, and I was, I was gobsmacked is the best way to describe it.
4: Yeah, this this is really his most prolific period because you know obviously Sign of the Times came out of a lot of material. You know, the, the Revolution was still together. Yep, they had recorded an album that never came out, Roadhouse Garden.
1: That's right. They I recorded.
4: Forgot. They recorded uh, the Crystal Ball. They recorded Dream Factory. Mm-hmm. That's right. Then you also none had the those, Camille album. None of those ever came out. I mean, Crystal Ball eventually came out, but. I still don't feel like it's that's not the what he intended it to be. Yeah, but this, when it came out, Sign of the times sounded completely different than anything that they had worked on on any of those three previously unreleased albums, and he was really setting a benchmark for what the sound would be, not only for his band, but I felt for like a lot of pop music with the sign of the times because it's stripped down there's a lot of really stripped down the, the the drums are hard the bass is grooving you know and then you've got horns it really feels like almost like a, like a kind of like an 80s James Brown hmm.
2: really God that's a good funky. I like that's, that
1: yeah that's a good analogy it's way you
2: better know, than Living in America though <laughs> <laughs> look it was in a Rocky
4: movie got to <laughs> in America okay? <laughs>
1: You know, and here's the thing. I mean, you mentioned all these projects. I thought, and I, I could be wrong, but I thought "Strange Relationship" is, um, isn't that one of the Camille tracks? Is it, it, Pat? I think that's a Camille track. You know, um, if I'm not, It might be, yeah, yeah, because his yep. voice. I mean, he's he's definitely using that Camille affected voice um, on "Strange Relationship."
4: absolutely yeah it's, it's, that sped up yep um it could be camille it kind of sounds like camille a little bit um I, I mean don't even get me started on the whole camille thing i, mean, I love <laughs> i love all those tracks i mean i've i've put that album together so i could just listen to it track by track i mean nice. really so, so you took I mean, the stuff from bright Rebirth lights the flesh it, what a funk that's such I would have loved to have put that on here, but I felt like that was a little too outside. But <laughs> folks, if you, you listen listen to that sign. If you don't know it, groove to it. It's God. blow your mind.
2: Okay. Um I don't I don't want to do this. I don't want to break this up, but uh folks, this here uh this is just about uh about the end of this this here edition of the weekly list. The good news is this is only part one of the uh Really? Yeah, we're doing, a, we're doing we're doing a two parter tonight? Dan and Pat and I will all be back again next week to keep talking about prints. It's going to cool be super fun. In the meantime, um, if you like the show and you want to hear more, you can find us, uh, you can podcast us. We are now podcastable on Spotify, Apple, um, uh, Google, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Um, so and, and look for us under uh the k y m n podcast. You subscribe to that you get all the really cool stuff that comes out uh, comes to uh comes out of k y m n all podcastable
1: rich I got a question for you i don 't even know what stitcher is it sounds like kind of a gruesome thing. why
2: are you asking me that i don 't well, know what stitcher is i thought you knew.
1: you' you 're like a radio guy and stuff
2: well i 'm a radio guy, but i 'm not a the tech guy so uh, my my dear friend Logan wells knows what stitcher is okay but i don 't know what stitcher is I, but for those I'm of you who great. are who who are podcasting us off of Stitcher. Thank you. Um, Anyway.
1: (laughs) And and I'm not ripping on Stitcher. I I just don't know what it is.
2: You can also find us on our program page on our website at kymnradio.net under the weekly list um, where all of the old uh, shows are archived. I also... um, uh, You can find us on Facebook uh, under the weekly list where I post every new show every week without fail. It's a little crazy. I've done that for almost two years now. Um, And I haven't missed one yet. It's kind of weird. OCD. (sighs) Probably. My shrink thinks I am. (laughs) Anyway, um, and while you're on Facebook, go like the uh, KYMN radio Facebook page because it's the best place you're going to find for all of the local news in in the Northfield area. Patrick, I know how much it means to you to keep up on things like the... uh, the new Rice County Jail debate, right? I know that means a lot to you. So, but you can. You do, know, I was
4: reading about it just before we got on the air. Right?
2: Well, you probably you were I've because got a lot of questions. Because so uh, I
4: hope this, there's some answers out there. I I, I, I well, just wrote
2: about it, so you probably could read about it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow, <laughs> it's the dilemma that we deal with. Yeah,
2: um, and also, as long as you're on Facebook, also go like. The Imminent Brewing Facebook page because things are always changing in the face of this pandemic and, and, and things are getting better. And Lord knows there might someday, one day, actually even be live music back at Imminent Brewing. What? And when that happens, you're going to know about it because you are looking at the Imminent F- Brewing Facebook page.
1: Yep. That's, that's going to be the place you hear it first, right? More than, more than you and I just talking about it.
2: Right. Okay. So. Well,
1: one thing that never changes is good beer. That's true and that's
2: the best part about it in brewing better than the service is the brew is is the beer itself
1: I can attest to this yeah so can I
2: so um you guys each picked a whole bunch of songs for this show I have exactly two and and I I asked you guys each to pick um, uh, songs uh, six songs each and I knew even when I told you you know guys come on let's let, let's let's not Let's try to stay like, you know, at least within the lines. Uh, You guys still went out and I knew you were going to kind of swing off. So I I, I decided I was going to lay back and wait for you guys to make your choices. And then, like I said, I was going to fill in the cracks. Well, this is probably the biggest crack to fill in. I am sure there are plenty of people who uh, tuned into the show tonight just to hear what we all have to say about the song Purple Rain. And I'm going to start. I was talking to a friend today who was asking me do I have a favorite uh, Prince song off of Purple Rain the album and I was super embarrassed uh because my two favorite Prince songs on 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 Purple Rain
1: please say are, darling Nikki
2: are When doves cry and Purple Rain
1: Hey there's there's not a bum track on the record well, exactly. there's nine tracks there's not a bum no. one
2: I am I am such a sucker for anthems not power ballads but like these these the the great soaring emotional swelling anthems right well this is it there is not a better anthem out there than this one yeah
1: yeah i'll grant you that that, bon jovi
2: exactly exactly hey man you can never say goodbye all you want you ain't never gonna touch purple rain
1: on a steel horse i ride though
2: (laughs) okay boys you're, complete the <laughs> com, complete the sentence. I've seen a million faces,
1: and I've rocked them and all. I've rocked them all.
2: Yep. All right. Anyway, <laughs> what do you guys think about Purple Rain? The song.
1: Um. What the thing? oh jeez. Pat, hard, I'm gonna right? let you go it's, first.
4: I mean, it's it's the phoenix, right? The yeah. End of the movie. The kid comes out. Yeah. It's the chord. And then the, and there it is. It's just like, you know, it's it, there's a lot of emotion in this song.
2: You know, I'm going to say this too. I want to tell this story really quickly. Um, and Danny and I were just talking about this last week. Um, there's a, the, just prior to this gigantic ending scene in the movie where he plays Purple Rain, There's it's the scene where right after his father has attempted to uh, commit suicide and, and Prince has found that that his father actually did write down all of his music, even though he said he didn't. And yeah. and, he, and he got so upset that he threw everything up in the air and he passed out. And then he woke up, and he wiped the tears off of his face, and he wandered into the room where the piano was, and he put in the tape that Wendy and Lisa had given him, and he started listening to that song that they kept trying to, to push on him that he didn't want anything to do with. Yeah. And he listened to it, and he listened to it, and then he plays it on the piano. And my brothers, Prince playing that little instrumental piece, which probably only lasts for 35 seconds. Yeah it might be the most beautiful piece of music I have ever heard. Yeah, I love that. And I can't, I mean, you, there's no, like, recording of that anywhere except on your copy of Purple Rain, the movie. That's true. You know? right, right. Anyway, that's yeah. my story. Yeah. That's, and I'm that, sticking to
1: it. Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, look, not only is it an amazingly well-crafted anthem, but the way that they managed to weave it into the movie. Yeah. Right. It gave it a power and an emotion that, when you saw the film, it was like whoa, and then you heard it later, and you're like, oh my god, it's even better. It just keeps getting better, in do my he, opinion. It's do you, just.
2: Do you know he hadn't written the song when they started writing the movie?
5: Yeah, yeah.
2: He it was, he, he, crazy, it, was yeah. it was early it was early like he showed up and that like they were working on the movie and he showed up and he had a little piece of it and like the whole revolution. Uh, this is the only time the revolution actually like. It was, worked the song out together.
1: It was Wendy's... This recording is the first time Wendy played with the band live, and it was actually done at a charity event in 83. And if you go and search it out on YouTube, you can find the expanded version, because the version that is on the album is an edited version. It is. Yeah. And, Pat, you know it was this. Is a
4: benefit well. for the Minnesota dance?
1: Theater. Yes. Yes, yes dance it Theater. was. Yeah. And... I mean it, it was truly recorded at First Avenue and it truly was live but they did slice it a bit and it it's got a what a seven minute running time to yeah. begin with and it, so I, one of the things when I think about purple rain I remember the first I of course I bought the album right away um, but I remember being on a on a choir trip uh, and up in Duluth and where I lived at the time was near Fergus Falls, Minnesota. There's no way that the movie Purple Rain is ever going to show at Fergus Falls in nineteen eighty four Not a chance. We happened to be in Duluth, and a buddy of mine named Scott and I you know we would stay over at a host family and we stayed at this um, really nice young girl's house, and so the idea was is all of us choir people from the Duluth high School and from my my high school. we are all going to go hang out, and so I remember. She drove us all to this movie theater and we saw a midnight showing of Purple Rain. It was the first time that I've ever seen it. I of course knew all the music, but that moment where Prince comes out and plays this just floored me. So I've got that image of that night and being in a movie theater in Duluth uh, when I think when I ever hear this song. But then anybody who watched that Super Bowl performance that Prince did during the halftime, that in my mind is the greatest halftime show that the Super Bowl has ever had nor will they ever have they'll never have something better and his version of Purple Rain played in the rain because it in was raining rain. at the time and I remember he <laughs> he had asked the, the the crews or whatever they're doing uh, they were apologizing that it was raining when he's uh, and he goes no 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 can you make it rain harder that was that's yeah. how he thought he thought so differently he saw it, so beyond what a normal quote unquote human would view whether it was visual whether it was music he he was art personified and this song really captures it's it is anthemic and yeah. god bless him for it
4: yeah and there's there's always a a cinematic sort of feel to to all of his songs and obviously this was the title track from the movie but he captures that on a level that very few artists.
1: And it it really goes can. through so many movements. It's almost like Groff's, you know, Grand Canyon Suite. You know, you see all of the changes in weather that happen in this, and the the emotion, and the you know the scope and the 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 grandeur of it. This song is a song of grandeur. It yeah, really absolutely is. It is, absolutely. So yeah, with absolutely. that I'm all right. I, I'm spent, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I, I can't do any more tonight.
2: Okay. So <laughs> from, from 1984, the, uh, the, the year that I will always associate with Prince, uh, from the movie Purple Rain, this is Purple Rain. Folks, thanks for listening. Uh, we will all be back next week for part two of our look at the music and legacy of Prince Rogers Nelson. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Peace. Peace. i never meant to call you when you saw i never meant to
0: call Real Radio. True Variety. 95.1. The One.
2: This is Jeff Johnson. Join me for the KYMN Morning Show. Weekdays, 6 to 9, right here on your radio station, KYMN, Northfield.